But what can I say about Thanksgiving that isn't already obvious? We ought to be thankful. Great. Uh, I think you know that. Uh, scripture is infused with a message of thankfulness, of giving thanks in all things. Uh, we're shown why and when to give thanks throughout throughout Scripture. You know, thank you is one of the very first things parents teach their children to say. We love it when they learn to say that. Scripture, uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you have to reteach them that when they're in their 20s, but uh, that's okay. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to his friends in, in uh, the Thessalonians, he said in, in chapter 5, he says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He, he also wrote in this time to the, to the Philippians, he reminded them that, that not to worry. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Paul's message is that whatever you're going through, in every circumstance, give thanks. Whatever's pressuring in on your mind, whatever you might be worried about, stop and give thanks. Recalibrate your heart with the, with the power of thankfulness. Giving thanks. You, you, you may notice that, you know, before we eat the meal today, as we close the service, I'm going to pray. I'm going to thank God for the meal. And maybe some of you have developed a good habit of that. I would encourage you at least once a day to pause and, and give thanks for your meal. One, one reason we do that is because Jesus did that. Jesus did that in, in uh, Matthew chapter 15. We, we have this the, the, the account of the feeding of the 4,000. And what happened, it says this, Jesus took the seven loaves and the fish and he thanked God for them and he broke them into pieces and he gave them to, to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. Jesus, Jesus, creator of all things, thanked God for the food he was about to eat. Think about that. Jesus could have said, Hey, you all, you need to thank me because I kind of made this. No, thankfulness, thankfulness, thankfulness. Um, uh, you know, the Gospels record accounts of people being healed. One, it's one account is 10 lepers who were healed and, and, and one of them remembered to come back and what? Say thanks. In, in Luke chapter 17, it says this, uh, this healed leopard fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. We know we are to be thankful. And, 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 and maybe most of the time we are. So then you think, well, Brian, could we talk about something else today? Could we get back to our message in the Old Testament? Kings, we'll do that next, next Sunday. We'll be back into that. But we need to talk about this. Couple reasons. One, lunch isn't ready yet, but I smelled it when I came in this morning. It's going to be amazing. Right? But the other thing is, we don't always know how. We don't always know kind of what's behind our thankfulness. It tends to be sometimes be a little general, a little bit vague. So we're going to go to an account in Luke's gospel. If you've got a Bible with you, I want you to see if you can find Luke chapter 7. You're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Third book of the New Testament. And uh, never feel bad about using your table of contents. If you've got a phone, you, it's easier to kind of scroll through and find that. And Luke chapter 7, verse 36, and we're going to take an episode that doesn't mention the words thanks, thank you, thanksgiving, thankfulness, gratitude, anything like that. But it it captures the sense of what it means to be thankful in a very full and complete way. So as you find that, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. 
I read from the New Living Translation. It says this, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Or literally, it says, he reclined at table. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume, and she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair, and she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he, he said to the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Verse 40, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Jesus told him this story. A man loaned people money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one who for whom he had canceled the larger debt. Well, that's right, Jesus said. Verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's be thankful. Well, let's be seated. And we are thankful to the Lord for his word. I I need to admit, I love hearing thank you. Don't you? I mean, doesn't that just feel right? This this week, um, our family was out for dinner. We we don't really get to do that very often as a as a family. I have two sons, and and uh, as we're leaving the restaurant, they they said to me, "Hey, Dad, thanks for thanks for buying us dinner." Oh, I don't know what fills your tank, but it's not hard to fill my tank. I'm just like, oh, that feels right. I'm so grateful. It just you just love that so much, and you have may have noticed that in the title of this message today, I put a period in the middle of the word. Ed, can you do me a favor? Just go back to the title slide for a moment. Uh, not just Thanksgiving, but thanks.giving. I think, Brian, your grammar is uh, messed up there. What's, what's wrong with you? Well, to give is to thank, and to thank is to give. Those that word thanksgiving really is two important words that are inseparable. There's always an act of giving when you say thanks. Sometimes it's just a, just, just a word, just saying thank you. But sometimes it's a, a card or a gift or a compliment or, or giving your attention to someone. Thanks and giving are inseparable. And when you say thanksgiving, I want you to think about thanks and giving. 
See, the woman who came into that dinner party, and by the way, we, we, we love to talk about the fact that Jesus was not afraid to associate with sinners. He, he was not afraid to, to be with the, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. But Jesus also associated, as hard as he was on the Pharisees, he also was okay to associate socially with those of an upper status, those who were elite in society-wise. Uh, don't, don't forget that. Don't overlook that. The, the point of that is that Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. You might think, well, I'm not like down there. And you might have a little pride thinking, well, I'm up here. You know, Jesus will meet you wherever you're at and bring you to himself. He really will. But she was so thankful. In fact, she could not contain her active gratitude. It was, it was not just like, well, hey, God, thanks. It's great. Appreciate it. It, it, it was an extravagant demonstration of love. So if you're taking notes in your outline this morning, you could, you could write this down, that thanksgiving is love in action. Thanksgiving is love in action. Because, you know, it seems to us, like, when I read this story, I think, this woman is crashing the party. Like, how did she get in? How, how does this happen? Culturally speaking, these there were certain kind of banquet events that were somewhat open. We're told that the poor were, would be allowed to come and take or receive or eat the leftovers. So it's not totally out of sorts that she would be there. Um, but let's not kid ourselves. This is super awkward. I mean, he's just there, you know, chowing down on some bagels or whatever. And and she's like weeping at his feet her tears. She's got the perfume going on. Uh, her hair's down there. Um, y- you know, that's awkward. That's really awkward. And the, the host, Simon, is indignant, right? Verse 39, he says, if this man were a prophet, he would know. Like, he would know what kind of woman this is. Like, he would not let her touch him. She's a sinner. And she was. Jesus admitted her sins are many. Simon the Pharisee, however, is wrong on two points. When he says, if this man were a prophet, listen, Jesus is way more than a prophet. He's the son of God. He's the creator of all things. He's the savior of the universe. So he's more than a prophet. But but the other thing is, he would know what kind of woman, he does know what kind of woman it is. Simon misses that. He He misses the point. Now, isn't this interesting that the religious guy who's got all this education, all this training, he should know who Jesus is and recognize who Jesus is. He should be able to see that Jesus is the promised one of of centuries of prophecy and he misses it. And the woman who knows nothing, has no educational, no religious education, no, no background in that, she recognizes, she sees, she knows exactly what's going on. That's amazing. The one who should be worshiping misses it. And the one who should be, in a sense, rejected is accepted and worshiping at the feet of Jesus. By the way, if you ever are questioning, is Jesus really God? These are these moments in Scripture that remind us that Jesus is. In that context, it would it would be blasphemous to accept worship. If you were to come to me and just say, Oh, I just, I just worship at your feet. That would be blasphemous for me to accept that. I would say, we worship God alone. Jesus never does that. 
Jesus never turns away worship because he is God. He's the Savior of all. And some people, and you might be one of them, kind of miss out on getting close to Jesus because we're convinced we need to be more like Simon than the woman. We're, we're, we're convinced we, we need to look like we've got it all together, that, that, that we're successful, that, that we can show perfect attendance at Bible study, that, that, that we, we, we can show off our kids and all their great achievements, that, that we, we're not going to admit that we have struggles or issues or, or problems or marital issues or, or, or addiction issues or, or, or money problems. We don't want to admit any of that because we've got to make sure that it looks like we got it all together because that's what a good Christian does. Really, we're trying to look more like Simon. The one who misses it. And so we're afraid to see, to, for people to see what's going on on the inside of us. We, we, we say things like, well, you know, I don't really know enough about the Bible to go to a connection group or, well, I, I'm not worthy to pray out loud or, well, I'm just too shy to share the gospel. And we miss what God wants to do in us and through us because we're trying to be more like Simon than the woman. It's ignoring what God has done for us in forgiving our many sins. Jesus reveals now this, this life-changing principle that if you're forgiven much, you love much. And if you're forgiven little, you love little. And we all desperately need forgiveness. Even those of us who honestly lived a pretty good life. Things have kind of turned out alright and, and we, you know, most of our family members still talk to us and, you know, we seem to be doing pretty fine. We're not, not in prison. So let's think, I got it all together. I, I met a guy this week. What often happens here, I don't know if you know this, but we host AA here on our campus uh, 14 times a week. And so I often have to direct people to where the meeting is because it's not real obvious. And, and uh, there was this guy, I was talking to him this week and, I said, how are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing okay. And I said, do you, do you know Jesus? He part of you. Oh, yeah. I've been forgiven. I did seven years and, and I'm a free man. And because of God, I've, I've got my family back. And I, I mean, he just started talking to him this testimony, all the things that God had done in his life. But he was honest about where he'd been and the kind of folks he'd run with. And I'm like, yep. That's what we're going for. That's the kind of people we need to be. Look, sin is sin, and my sin needs forgiving just as much as the, as, as the murderer or the rapist in, in a maximum security penitentiary. But until we admit the depth of our need, we're never going to understand just how awesome it is to be forgiven. When you know you're forgiven, then you want to forgive others for what they've done to you. Jesus tells us a little parable. Hey, imagine the two guys have, have been, you know, they owe different amounts of money and they, they, they get forgiven that debt. Well, obviously the guy who recognizes, I have been forgiven a huge amount, is more grateful than the one who doesn't recognize just how important it is to be forgiven. This is the message of the gospel, that God loves you, that God, God created you, created all things with a purpose and with value. But it's our sin, the things that we do wrong that are a violation of, uh, of God's standard. And that's what separates us from a perfect God. 
Well, how can we how can we be friends with God if we're not perfect and God is? Well, God has a solution. He sent Jesus, his son, who died in our place. Jesus, the perfect son of God, who lived a sinless life, went to the cross. And in so doing, in this marvelous way, it's hard to... It's the mystery of the gospel that in dying on the cross, Jesus took your sin and my sin upon himself. The way the Bible describes this is that he who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the message of the gospel. The last piece of that, though, is on you, on you to decide whether or not you want to receive that forgiveness. It's on you whether or not you want to say, yes, Jesus, I receive the forgiveness you have for me so that I can be in a relationship with God. Forgiven much, much love. Forgiven little, little love. Real thankfulness is, is not just talk, it's action. It's love in action. And I wonder, are there action steps for you of gratitude toward Jesus and even toward others? I think there's a second way that we see uh, Thanksgiving in the story, and that Thanksgiving is generous. Thanksgiving is generous. I, I am amazed at the generosity of people, so many in this church. You are... Generous giving people. It's tremendous. I love it. And when gratitude is at the heart of your giving, that's when it has real power. The, the, the woman's gift of perfume was a big deal. We've got a picture here. This is from archaeology. This is actually from an early, dated to an earlier time than Jesus' time, but something similar. And, um, the New Living Translation takes some interpretive license uh, when it, it, it just describes it as expensive perfume and rare perfume and so on. But it was certainly special. And there's a parallel episode. This happens again. It's recorded in John chapter 12 where it's, we're told that the perfume was worth a year's wages. So there's some debate as to really what the meaning of these bottles of perfume were. Some say it's part of a uh, of a wedding dowry. Others are saying, well, no, it's kind of like a family heirloom that gets passed down. And is, it may never get opened, but it is passed down and... The idea is that when you're ready to use, you, you break off the top and, uh, and, and use that perfume. So it was very special. It was very extravagant. And, and, and however she came upon this perfume and if it had been passed down to her or, or given to her by somebody recently or whether she had purchased it herself, she was generous in her thanks to Jesus. Generous with her tears. Generous with her, her display of love. And of course, generous with this fragrant gift. I don't, I don't know if you've ever met a generous person, a truly generous person who is not also inherently a thankful person. I mean, just think about the most generous people you know. Are they not also thankful? When you think about really thankful people, are they not also generous in some way? I think the two just go together. I've met givers who seem to be more kind of motivated by duty and obligation or, or guilt, right, rather than generous gratitude. You know, for example, if you know this, but Bethany Church, as most churches, we were a, we're a charity registered with the government, blah, 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 however that works. When you give a financial gift to Bethany Church, you get a tax receipt, and if you give enough and it goes above your basic... Um, personal deduction amount, et cetera, et cetera. You can claim that on your taxes. And the government says, good for you. You can pay less tax because you gave money to your church. Great. I take advantage of that because I'd be dumb not to. 
hey, if the government wants to let me give here instead of them, perfect. But if you never give without getting a receipt, I mean, if you only give to get a receipt, you are missing the point of giving and generosity. You've missed it. If you, if you never round up your tithe, even to the $5 mark or the $10 mark, if you never round up, you might be missing the pointing of, of bringing our first fruits, bringing the first and best of what God's given to us. It's a biblical principle. We give the first tenth of all that God's given to us as an act of worship and an act of saying, God, it's all yours anyway, and I bring a tenth to you. But round up. If you go to a restaurant with friends for a meal and you split the bill down to the penny, if you've never sort of said, let me get your lunch today, I ain't, you're not generous. Like, let's practice those things in simple ways. Got really quiet in here. Didn't, didn't mean for that to happen. Right? One way to test our own grad, level of gratitude is to observe our own giving. Do you give? Do you look for ways to give? Are you willing to give even more than you think you should or think you could afford when the Lord prompts you? Never out of obligation, not over guilt or compulsion, not because someone twisted your arm into it, because the, but the Lord spoke to you. And it's not about what you can afford. And it's not about how much money you have. When I've been overseas, uh, different, different times, um, I, I've noticed that some of the poorest people have been the ones most generous with us simply because they're so grateful. They're just so grateful. I've got a couple of pictures here from our last trip. You know, by the way, over in that board over there, we've, we've posted a bunch of photos from the last trip to the Philippines. We've got opportunities to go to uh, Haiti or to the Philippines this coming June. I'd love to take you with me. Here I am. I've just preached in this little church. Okay, imagine this. I'm surrounded by rice fields. It's in a little village. We had to drive through rutted, gravelly, muddy little path to get there on a, on a little tricycle and we get and there's this little church in the middle of nowhere and uh the, the people gathered for service and at the end they gave me a gift i mean they didn't have to do that they didn't really have the resources but they did that go, go to the next picture you'll see me i put it on of course um i almost wore it today just to show you but i thought i would just be muy guapo and i didn't want to embarrass you with that um and then there's the church you know like they're so thankful they're appreciative they're i don't giving you all a high five or something so that's what happens gratitude it's not about about how much next week i'm going to talk about some upgiving uh upcoming giving projects here at at bethany Uh, we have an opportunity to see if we can supply a van for um our Mennonite Brethren Ministry in Central North Central Philippines. And we're going to do some work to support church planting in Ethiopia and Egypt. And then I'm also going to introduce something we call the Clarity Project, which is raising funds to make some repairs and improvements uh, to our sanctuary in the area of, of lighting and sound and decor. Today, we're launching something called Butler Bags. If you've been here a while at Bethany Church, this is familiar to you. And at the Connection Center in the back, there's a stack of these grocery bags. And uh, you're invited to take one of these and uh, and fill it with what's on the list. Some beans, some rice, corn, green beans, some macaroni, and some peanut butter. And uh, if you can contribute $5 or more to help also include a bit of meat with that project, 
we, we, you take this with you, you bring them back by December 2nd, and we want to fill as many as we can, and then our, our partner church, Butler Church down in uh, Southeast Fresno, they'll take these, and they use them in, they stock their food pantry and give these out all year. They're in an area where they got people at their door all the time who need food, and we're able to supply that. We don't really get people walking up here asking for food, but they do. And so we're saying, well, we'll partner with you guys and fill your pantry. I'd love for you to be a part of that. If you're saying, look, I, I'm doing that shopping thing. The bag's too heavy. It's not really my deal. You can, if you want to make a contribution, just write Butler on your, on your envelope, on your check, in your text message, on your online gift, and it'll go to that same project. So we give them both food and, and, um, Cash to help them with their project. It's about learning to be generous. Can I, I want to say this as simply as I can, that the woman's act of worship shows us that when we're, when we're, when we're, when we're thankful, we're generous. And when we're generous, we're thankful. Remember, again, generosity is not how much you give, but your attitude and your obedience in God's prompting. Generosity shows up in more than finances. It's, it's generous compliments. It's generous kindness. It's, it's generous patience. It's generous grace and, and mercy toward people. It's generous listening. And yes, it's also generous giving. And as we're thinking about this woman who had been forgiven much, you may have an alabaster jar of your own. You may have something that's just precious to you that you've been hanging on to that Jesus is saying, would you bring that to me too? It's an untouchable resource, but if the Lord should prompt you to give, it might be a couple hours on a, on a precious Wednesday night to help out as a listener in Awana, right? It might be, might be some, some time you could give to support Janice in the student ministry. It might be, I don't know, a savings account that you've been building up for a while and you want to give part of that to, to something that the Lord's prompting you to. Or it might be your gifts of cooking or of music or, or of gardening or whatever it is. Giving thanks to the Lord in a practical way. You may have an alabaster jar. Giving is generous. One last thing I need to say about this. This is the third thing I really want to capture that the woman teaches us that thanksgiving is selfless honesty. Selfless honesty. See, this woman, she put her, she put herself out there for Jesus. She was on display. It was apparently obvious that she was a sinful woman. Whatever that means. We're not given to speculate on this one. But she's weeping openly. She's pulling down her hair. It was, it's customary. If you go, if you were to go to Israel today and you, amongst kind of Orthodox Jews, the women, as their hair uh, grows, they, they tie it up in a, in the cover, in a head covering and it doesn't get let down. It's kept to themselves. It's their, kind of their honor and it, it, it's, it's hidden up in a head covering. She takes that out. She lets that hair down. She wipes his feet. She's crying. She's pouring out the perfume. She's kissing his feet. If any of you ever feel compelled to do that, not to me, please. Right? I'm super ticklish. It would drive me crazy. 
Bless Becky would not appreciate it. But there she is. She does not care what people thought of her. She didn't care. She's hiding nothing. She's holding back nothing. And now, listen to us. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this. There is something powerful about selfless honesty. The humility that says, Jesus, I'm just here to give it all. Christy, I love what you said there about you. You would love for us to experience those things that you've experienced. Just, just, I don't care what's going on around me. I just want to connect with Jesus. Last Sunday, um, Becky and I were able to get away for a couple of days last week. And we visited a church in South San Jose called Gateway City Church. And uh, it was a good experience. It's, you know, very up-to-date church experience. And a congregation, however, that looked very much like ours in terms of uh, kind of the generational makeup it was super cool because it felt like everybody wanted to be there the front seats were more full than the back seats some of the most senior saints were in the front row i gotta tell you this this please do not i'm not I'm not outing anybody. I'm, this is no shame. I'm not, I'm not putting any pressure on But I just saw one of the most precious things I've ever seen in my life. There was one, one senior saint. She was in the front row. She, was, she had a walker. And she's standing during the worship set. She's standing with her walker. One hand on her walker. And one hand in the air. Praising the Lord. I'm like, oh wow. Oh wow. It blew me away. I... It was so encouraging. I just couldn't help but join. I didn't know any of the songs. That didn't matter. I just did my best to sing. Because it was just, it was just great experience. That's what selfless honesty looks like. I don't care how it looked to everybody else. I'm here to praise Jesus. This past Tuesday at our leadership council meeting here, uh, a few of our church members were explaining to us, sharing with us about a ministry they've gotten involved with and, um, just sharing openly about some of their own struggles and experiences of, of how God's meeting them right at that point of need and how they're growing. And it was they were just honest and transparent. And it was a powerful moment for us. Felt very selfless. On Thursday at my connection group, um, we just found ourselves opening up about, about stuff that, that we just needed to talk about. And it was, it was just a transparent moment for us. And it was It was powerful. It felt like selfless honesty in that moment. It feels risky to be honest. It feels risky to be transparent. And yet there's something about that moment of just, God, I'm just here before you that recalibrates our heart, brings us back to say, look, in spite of God, in spite of my disappointments, in spite of what I, the things I don't understand about you, I am bowing before you because I am... I, 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 you are worth it all. I am thanking you for forgiving me. I am thanking you for saving me. I'm thanking you for your generosity in my life and your kindness. And you'll notice in the account that Simon, the Pharisee, he was neither humble nor thankful. He did not do even the customary things that were expected. He didn't wash, have somebody wash Jesus' feet, didn't anoint his head with oil, didn't give him a welcome kiss. It was all those basic customary things. And Simon was too proud to do any of that for Jesus. Instead, he's judgmental. 
He's critical. He's critical of the woman. He's critical of Jesus, the Son of God. If this man were a prophet, he would know. Dude, do you have any idea who you're talking about right now? You cannot be critical and thankful at the same time. And maybe you're not sure. Maybe you think, I don't think I'm critical or unthankful. I don't think I'm proud and haughty and looking down my nose at people. Maybe I am. You can ask a trusted friend to be honest with you and say, am I? Is this me? Am I, am I like this Pharisee? Am I critical? Because we're invited to identify with the woman, not with Simon. We're called to selfless honesty, and it's, that honesty is embedded in thankfulness. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond today in a physical, getting out of your seat sort of way. You don't have to, but if the Lord's prompting something, I want to give you that opportunity. Let me explain. Love, right? Thanksgiving is love in action. And thanksgiving is generous. And thanksgiving is selfless honesty. And maybe the Lord is actually speaking to you today. Could be that something is stirring in your heart thinking, i got to do something with this. Maybe the Lord's calling you to give something in thankfulness to Him. Maybe God is... Is prompting you in a way that there's a loving action that you need to do. Maybe there's an act of generosity that God's challenging you toward. Maybe there's an act of selfless, confessional honesty that He's drawing out of you so that you're more like the woman and less like the Pharisee. Here's what I'm going to give us the opportunity to do. On these, uh, I don't know what's really called, but I call it a pony wall on both sides. Excuse me, Justin. I've put stacks of little sticky notes. They're leaf-shaped because it's like Thanksgiving. Okay? And there's a Sharpie. And uh, as we're singing this worship song, you may, may you may feel that kind of this act or step or or word of thanks or something that you need to bring to Jesus. Something you need to release to Him. Maybe it's your alabaster jar that you need to break open before Him. I'm going to invite you just to come while we're singing. Write your thing on one or as many sticky notes as you need. Take those back with you. I don't need to see it. You don't need to put it up anywhere. That's for you and Jesus. Stick it in your Bible. Put it in your wallet put it in your purse hang it up on your car put it in your mirror at home whatever you need to remind yourself Lord what are you calling me to in the area of thanks.giving maybe it's an action maybe it's a step of generosity maybe it's a move of, of, of humble honesty write it down take it with you Stick it somewhere where you'll see it. And let God do that. Bow with me in prayer. God, we recognize that we we often just overlook what an amazing thing you've done in forgiving us. Lord, I, I do so many things that are 
selfish and in my own way and, and, and reject what, you, what you've done and are rebellious toward you. And God, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just asking God for your, just again, refresh forgiveness. I thank you so much, Jesus, that your sacrifice on the cross was enough for everything that's been done and everything that will be done. I thank you that your word promises that you take out our stony, cold heart and you give us a soft, new heart. I thank you that you promise that, that you take our sins and you take them as far as the east is from the west. That, that you take them and you remember them no more, that you forget our sin. And God, when we've surrendered it to you, you don't keep reminding us about it. Because you've forgotten it. And God, I just thank you for all that. God, I ask that you would raise us up, stir us up to be an increasingly thankful people. And, and God, I just I just love you. And church, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I, I just got to give you this opportunity. Maybe you're somebody here that you, you're saying, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to live in that forgiveness that, that you're talking about. If that's you, would you just raise a hand and just, we'll, or, or just look at me and we'll acknowledge that, yes, that's what I want. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to be forgiven. I want to be a new person from the inside out. All right. Thank you. Anyone else? God, you're so good to us. God, you're so good to us. You're so good to us, God. And your faithful love endures forever. God, I just pray that you turn this whole month into a season of thankfulness, of thanks.giving. God, you surprise us with the ways that you're going to work as we surrender to you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to gather around tables to, to, to meet with each other as we enjoy a meal together. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for every, every person that's helped make today a reality. Appreciate them so much. It's tremendous. God, we just, we want to give you all of our thanks. We bless you, God, for being our provider. In Jesus' precious name we say. Amen.